Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here with a man that uh, has masterminded this tremendous situation. And, J.J., the wrestling world, really, basically, I know I am still in a state of shock of what has happened. Well, Jim Ross, if you really think about it, it wouldn't be such a shocking situation because Ric Flair himself, before 1987 ever ended, went on national television and said that his personal choice for a four horseman was none other than Barry Windham. And once the seed was planted, I took it from there. From there and for the last three or four months, I've been talking on and off with Barry Windham. And three major points that I kept bringing up to Mr. Windham is, number one, I realized that Dusty Rhodes helped raise Barry Windham. He was like a son to him. But I told Barry Windham, you can spend your whole life with this feeling of indebtedness and gratitude, and if you never get over that, you can never break away and make a life for yourself. Number two, recent months, all we heard about was television contracts, uh, movie contracts, personal endorsements, big money. But they never mentioned Barry Windham's name, who should have been the person they were talking about. And all they talked about was Lex Luger and Hollywood Lights. And the third thing was, I knew that Lex Luger couldn't cut it because he ran with us. Great athlete as he is, his priorities are somewhere else. And I told Barry Windham, I don't know when it's going to be, I don't know where it's going to be, but at some point, when you really, really need him, he's not going to be there, and then I'm going to be the one to say, I told you so, and I think that was the decisive thing. And I'd like to go back now to Jacksonville for that world tag team title match, and I think you'll see, Jim Ross, just exactly what I was talking about. He said, and if I can repeat that, if I think I caught it right from J.J. Lee, he said, I told you. 
Pro Wrestling Spotlight, presented by Hami Media and the Pro Wrestling Reflection, where we discuss the very best of the best in pro wrestling history. And what you gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world run wild on you? The two soundest wrestlers in the World Wrestling Federation, maybe in the history of the World Wrestling Federation, are right here, right now. Mr. Perfect and the excellence of execution, the Hitman. WrestleMania weekend isn't complete without the heartbreak kid, and he is on his way. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. They think they got the answers. I change the question. You will rest in peace. Get used to it in Ric Flair. Who you're looking at, the man. so good but that's neither here nor there but the professor was doing a lot of stuff edifying you know they slide into the dm but no it's not the males sliding into the professor's dms it's the this females time. huh this it's time the, no no it's all the time no matter what it's the females not transgender not no non-binary i want these are the women who identify as women because i know this motherfucker is going to say something else too and try to get it you know try to twist you just said either, so there's already a second option. They ain't no either. Rather women or... They ain't no or. It's 100% U.S. grade A, but neither here nor there. But anyway, we took a week off because we had to do some things. That's what it is all about here, you know. I got to take some time off. TW got to take some time off. But we come back stronger than ever. And again, the professor is giving you a new concept again. Because I am, I was thinking while we were out. I was thinking in the laboratories while we were out. But neither here nor there, but I gotta do what I do best. Welcome to the PWR podcast at the PWSM Networks at Podbean.com on the YouTube. Shout outs to the Haminites at the Hameen Media Group at Podbean.com. Shout outs to the big Vitoites at Wixsite.com. Shout outs to the Magnificent Seven. You know who you are. Greenpeace is down at destruction. And Donnie, you know, I, I didn't mean to go on Facebook and kind of like call you out. But you know what? I was not trying to be sarcastic. I was just showing you my uh, empathy. I know Russell Wilson was the worst free agent signing or trade, whatever the case may be. He robbed Denver a quarter of a billion dollars. I know you want to hit your money back. Russell Wilson is shit. I feel your pain. And coming from a Yankee man who did not like Alex Rodriguez's billion-dollar contract, I didn't like Jason Giambi's almost a quarter of a billion-dollar contract. I didn't see. I feel your pain because as a Yankee fan, those, those were players I hated. 
That's why I'm just saying, I'm with you, Donnie. I know the pain that you're feeling, but neither here nor there. But again, this is the PWR Podcast, and I am the most magnanimous one. I am the most empathetic one. I am the most uh, sympathetic one. But most importantly, I'm the most glorious one. The only objective man in the IWC, YWC, punditry. Your friend of mine, the Professor Chabella Cruz. And I'm not here alone. I'm here with my brother from another mother, the liberal conservative, the conservative liberal, the iron stomach one, Dr. Frankenstein himself, the Tommy Wonder. How are you doing, my friend? Eh, how was your week off? You know, I was edifying. I was educating. Were you recharging the batteries? Were you doing some family duties? Were you doing? What were you doing? I was sick, man. God damn. I got sick on a Thursday, no, a Wednesday, called in sick to work, which I barely ever do, believe it or not. I take a lot of time off of work, don't get me wrong, but I schedule it. I show up when I'm booked. But uh, I ended up working Friday and Saturday, and then out of nowhere Saturday, it all came back like it never went away. And then I I was pretty rough on Sunday, and then uh, now I'm getting back to good. So That's good. But, you know, I got a good nap in watching this match twice that we're going to talk about. <laughs> did, did you did you do what Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci told you to do? You know, you took your, your orange juice, took your uh, soup. You know, you do what Dr. Fauci ever... It's funny you say soup because I bought these soups from... You guys got Sam's Club, right? Yeah. So it's called Healthy Choice, and it's like two different kinds. There's a chicken pot pie and a chicken and dumpling. And uh, progressive... You know, since we're not sponsored, I'm not just going to talk about healthy choice, and not talk about Progresso or uh, Campbell's, but mm-hmm. uh, Progresso has a chicken and dumpling one that's kind of like a chicken broth. It's not a sauce. This one was a sauce, and I don't know if I cooked it in the microwave too long. I got to get back to the old school way of dumping soup in a pan and boiling the shit like we did when we were kids. Because mm-hmm. I think the microwave, it, I don't know, it does something to soup sometimes. So it depends it was, on the it depends on the microwave you have because right. some microwaves are you know I guess the more wattage makes right. whatever you're heating yeah, up. Well, just it, it, that's funny you say that because my newer microwave I, I got it within the last six months to a year. It's 1100 watts and the one I got rid of was 900. So mm-hmm. yeah, it just tasted like there was like a burnt part, and, but yeah. it wasn't. And I started getting sick not long after eating that soup. So I don't know if you ever do this like. One time I got sick at a Lions game, tailgating, and, and in my head, I'm trying to be like, you ever see Osmosis Jones? It's, it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, Chris Rock is the cartoon part, and Bill Murray's the body that the cartoon's yeah. in place in. And uh, so whenever whenever I get sick, you know, I'm not going to lie to you, I'm a baby. It's probably why I'm single. I just lay in bed talking to myself going, oh! Why? You know, whatever. Like, the, your foot's out of the blanket, and I'm yelling at someone who's not even there. Cause it's so, when, so when you're sick, the mob is taking over your body. That's what you're yeah. using in your head. And you... Picture Osmosis Jones happening mm-hmm. inside me. So, <laughs> so uh, But then I try to retrace. Either I do it intentionally, or it just happens on its own, where I mm-hmm. have, like, flashbacks of what it was that got me sick. And that particular Lions game was freezing outside. And I remember someone handed me a burger right off a grill with a bun with their little fucking fingerless gloves like Oliver Twist, handing that thing. And I just remember thinking while I was dying, like, I bet you they had snot on their finger. There was snot on the gloves. They handed mm-hmm. me the burger. I probably ate their snot without knowing it. 
And then other times, uh, this, this, uh was that pre, was that pre-pandemic or, po- or post-pandemic? Oh, this is years ago. Years oh, ago. Okay. Um, but another time, I uh, Lipton raspberry tea. Have you ever had that? Brisk. It's a silver can. Not I bad. Just, I kept having flashbacks of drinking out of the can and thinking I got sick from the can because if you ever heard the story. There's, there's times when rats piss on pallets and stuff, and they say sometimes they piss on the can, so you should wash your cans before you drink out of them. Because not, not piss, just the chunks, you know what I mean? Those yeah, oh, if, it's, if it's dirty, I'm going to wash it. But yeah. like, you don't even know it because it's liquid and it's already off of it, but now mm-hmm. it's got, I forget the term, it starts with an L. So I just kept having these flashbacks of this damn silver can, and I haven't drank that tea since. I'll try to get in the bottle. doesn't taste the same, you know, the plastic. But anyways, I don't know if it was that soup that did me in or if it was leftover uh, chicken that I had made uh, for tacos. But it, it just, I, man, and I thought I was all good Saturday morning. And then I worked and I got home and I picked the girls up on my way home from their mom and came home. We we're going to do all these things. And I looked at them and I said, I can't do it. I go, I'm going to go lay down again. I go, I don't feel good. And I end up throwing up two more times that night, like four or five in the morning. And I'm like, damn. But anything yeah. Fauci tells me to do, I'm not doing it. Just so you I, know. If I, I ever know. saw him walking down the street, I wouldn't beat him up because he looks like I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today, uh, Wimpy. But I'd probably hit him with a shoulder when I pass him. That, that would probably happen. Because Uh-oh. he's he's just he's just full of shit. The guy is on video saying that he didn't say things that he said on video, and it's like, come on, man, just just be honest and say you fucked up and made a mistake, or just shut the fuck up. One of the two. Don't don't sit there and look people in the eye and tell them you didn't do something that is on video. Fauci Fauci is the White House's MGF. That's all it is. But anyway, <laughs> neither here nor there. But anyway. We got to do what we do best here, and that is the Pro Wrestling Reflection. And this is a special Spotlight Edition Reflection Ice because we're not spotlighting a wrestler per se. We are changing it up, at least for this one, and this is experimental. We'll see if it works, and we'll see if we go into this. But this is the Pro Wrestling Spotlight Greatest heel turns in wrestling history and we are going to focus on one of the most infamous if not the most famous heel turn in wrestling lore wrestling history we'll see about it again it's very debatable but in 1988 barry windham betrayed his partner his tag team championship partner lex luger and joined the four horsemen so before anything, you we're gonna do two things here. Reflection. We're gonna talk about the match itself, and of course, there were certain things. There were certain interview segments that were very prevalent because they actually it wasn't Easter eggs. Reflection nights. It was actually explaining to you how we got to that point. So TW, before anything, before we even talk about the match that happened in April of nineteen. In, I'm sorry, March or late March or early April on 1988 from Jacksonville, Florida. It was April. a special. It was a special Saturday night. You know, WCW Saturday night. This was weeks before the Crockett Cup. So let me ask you this per se, because I'm going to make a statement. You could agree, disagree, or you know, retort back in your in your eloquent self. That's what you do. But anyway, I say this is the most famous or infamous heel turn off of all time. This to me is the number one 
professional wrestling heel turn in wrestling history. People might say, no, Professor, it's Hulk Hogan joining the NWO. But I think there's two different ways you can look at this, TW. The Hulk Hogan thing, it's what changed the, the wrestling scene. It, it was an impactful heel turn. But I think the difference between Hulk Hogan and Barry Windham was, I think you expected Hulk Hogan to do it when he came down the aisle. This one, why I say it's one of the greatest, if not the greatest heel turn, did not see this one coming. Until you like, it's like when you watched it the first time, you didn't see it coming. But when you watch it a second or third time, then you pick it out just like you watch a show. But nobody, and I will I will go to my grave, and, and if people want to say, Professor, I saw this coming a mile away, I'm going to call you a liar. I'm going to call you, I'm going to call you a Republican, uh, not a Republican, I'm going to call you a liberal. You're a liberal liar because nobody saw this shit coming. That's the way I'm looking at it to me. So what say you, TW? Agree, disagree, or you have a different take on it? Because that's why I, I think it's the greatest. I agree with some of what you said, and I disagree with some. Uh, I agree that no one saw it coming because they – and this is actually a problem I have with it, right? So mm -hmm. they, do it, they do such a good um, way of doing it because, like, let me I'm, – I'm, there's only way to way to do it just to tell you the other way to do it. A lot mm -hmm. of times when someone turns on somebody – they never tag in, right? Mm -hmm. You don't see it coming. You just think, holy shit, the one guy's getting his ass kicked the whole time, and then the other guy goes to tag in, and then he turns on him right away. Because what's the logic of, of turning on somebody and making it look pre-planned when you just got through beating the shit out of the other two guys you just joined for 30 minutes, and Barry Wyndham beat the shit out of Tully and Arn? And so then I thought, okay, and like you said, you go back and watch it. There's a part where Barry does like a dog where he lays over his owner to protect him from any more damage where he does that for Luger. So they did a really, really good job of making it look like, okay, he didn't come here to turn on him, but he had J.J. in his ear, and Lex did, in his eyes, what J.J. kept telling him he was going to do, but really Lex is laid out on the floor because Tully mm -hmm. fucking busted him on the gate. So... So you have that, right? And he's finally like, fuck you, you're not there for me. All right, I'm going to join you guys. And at the very end of the match, Barry looks at Arn and Tully, and the first time I see it, I think he does the absolute worst four horsemen fucking flash ever. But mm -hmm. when I watch it the second time, because you made me watch it twice, it actually <laughs> looks like he says, pay me, right? Which would have mm -hmm. been perfect. Perfect. Right. He says, pay me. Like, all right, I've had enough of this guy. I'm carrying him. You're the champs now. Pay me. But then when the fallout of everything, he talks about how they recruited him and he was going to join them all along. So if I'm Arn and Tully, and, and this is what Arn and Tully do great, this is why they are the co-greatest tag team of all time, mm -hmm. Arn and Tully never hit Barry. They always taunt him in the corner, but never hit him. They either swing and miss, conveniently, or they spit mm -hmm. towards him or whatever, but they never hit him. Barry what? beats the shit out of them the entire match when he's in it. And mm -hmm. So I don't. I, I think they should have did one way or the other. They should have either done it like he was in on it the whole time and never tagged in, or when he was in there, done stupid shit like test the strength and make Tully look bad but doesn't bump him, right? Or make Arn look bad and doesn't bump him, and then turn on him, or do it the way they did it but make it look like he did get. He's, fuck it. I'm I'm going to the money. Can Can I push back on what you're saying? Because uh, I, th I think 
the beauty of this because reflectionize. We again, I think we can combine the match and all the all the interviews into one thing. This is why it, this is a very unique spotlight because it has everything. Now remember TW, what was what started it all? Luger left the Horseman week a couple of weeks after Star K eighty seven after he lost the US United States title to the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. And of course Luger had these interviews not on really WCW Saturday night. It was like you had to find worldwide or you had to find NWA main event or maybe NWA pro wrestling on the syndications. Cause not some of these these interviews are kind of weird because it wasn't on the main one. So this is why you have to follow NWA wrestling if you could. It was very hard for the professor again. We had our syndication. You had your syndications as best as you could. I only I could watch it at 1 a.m., but at least I followed it and I saw that interview. By the end of 1987, Reflection Nights, it wasn't on WCW Saturday Night. I think it was on Pro Wrestling or Worldwide. Do not quote me on this, T.W., but there was an interview with Ric Flair. And Ric Flair said that his goal of recruiting a new horseman, he already laid the Easter egg. But it was never really like, you know, WCW, like it wasn't on TBS, like, you know, the Saturday after he said this. It was very weird. But again, it was an Easter egg. He said in 1988, I want Barry Windham. That's what he said. I want Barry. Barry Windham is going to be a member of the Four Horsemen. That we got our eyes. They basically recruited him. But he basically he said it, and then of course JJ said once Ric Flair said it because he's the leader of the Horsemen, he's the one that wants Barry Windham in. He set the wheels in motion. So that's the funny. That's the, that's a a weird way. So what I want to push back on is what you said during this match of like maybe the cadences of of a, of a traditional heel heel turn. We could talk about Paul Orndorff. We could compare certain things, like Paul Orndorff turning on Hulk Hogan, Sid Justice turn. You know, Hulk Hogan getting turned on is the easiest one because you see it coming a mile away, like the no tag. I didn't see Orndorff. I mean, he was being weird in the match, don't get me wrong, but Orndorff to me, first of all, I mean, I guess you always love your first the most, right? Orndorff was Mm -hmm. my first heel turn. Like, that, that clothesline is still emulated to this day. I wouldn't be surprised if someone on AEW does it soon, right? Like, and mm-hmm. I don't mean that as a knock to them, because I actually, this is going to blow your mind. One thing I like about AEW, and I, I, I start to, let me rephrase this. You already blew my mind by saying that sentence already, and you don't even well, have to oh, yourself. But wait, there's more. And I don't mean <laughs> AEW, I mean the Bucks, Omega, and Tony Khan, and Cody Jeez. when he was part of it. Um, it's a Christmas miracle, Reflection Nights. My God. Cody, I just read an interview not too long ago where he talks about, um, it was actually, it wasn't an interview, it was a reference to the, how they made the design of the belt. And mm-hmm. he said it was meant to look like the Mid-Atlantic heavyweight title. And he goes, Tony is a historian. He can tell you what belt it was, who, what stars were in the match, what the angle was, like from stuff he wasn't even alive for. And so one of the things that I heard over and over again in those interviews from the the link you sent me for the Flair interview, the Barry interview where Flair joins them, where everyone joins them, do you know what word they say repeatedly? Uh, Which word? Elite. Oh, yeah. Rick Flair says it in the prediction. 
Mm-hmm. Ric Flair says it when all of them together, and then he calls themselves the, the their total package. Like he's basically mm-hmm. saying this is the greatest four horsemen of all time because this is the greatest. Yeah, unit he, he always refer. Yeah, he, you're right. He always referenced like this is the elite group of professional wrestling. This he tried so, so back then when we were kids. What, what were elite athletes? Jose Canseco, uh, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky. Those guys were always heralded as elite athletes, and Ric Flair incorporated that into wrestling. And that's another thing. Like, watching Ric Flair modern day makes mm-hmm. me lose my appreciation for him. Watching this stuff, this guy does like a five-minute promo where he never says, uh, um, what, never repeats anything and just nails it and brings home the point in his interview where he talks about why, why Barry Windham joined. And, like, it's it just, it's good to go back and watch some of this stuff because um, what I thought you were going to have me do when you sent me two, because for people that don't know, Ric Flair, or Lex Luger turned on Barry to be a horseman. So a, a, a lot of this, like, I feel like they wasted it. They Barry turning on Lex. I remember when it happened thinking, well, he did it to him. I was mad as hell. I was mad as hell that Arn and Tully were tag champs, which is amazing considering they're now my co-favorite tag team of all time. I actually think I disagree because I think there's two different levels of the turn because Luger said it outright and Barry was trying to convince him out of the it. wrong talk him out of it. But Luger never punched him. Never oh, was physically. I thought he turned him. on him on TV the same way. No, no, he he just was arrogant and brazen, but he never right. hit him. I the thought he turned the same way. So this that, is a different I karma. Get cable. I didn't right. get cable until '88, so no, I saw. No, I, I, I know what you're talking about, but I just wanted to clarify that yeah. he never touched him, but he, you know, he, but Barry was disappointed. So I just want to kind of clarify that. Okay, that's why I'm pushing back. Well, sense that makes sense why that's why they, i'm pushing back it. a little bit of what you're talking about with the traditional heel turn and like i said i use paul orndorff or i use macho man when they betrayed hulk hogan you could see it coming a mile away with the way their cadences are this one like you said barry window was was beating up arn anderson was beating up tully blanchett was on the defensive you know when he had to be was very uh, uh what, what you could say he was care he was caring for Lex Luger when he was out on the floor. So reflectionize. Look at it this way. The four horsemen, when it is the elite group of professional wrestling with the best athletes, right, TW? So with that in mind, when you look at this match per se, the reason I'm pushing back, do you think Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard were convinced that Barry Windham is horseman material? And this is a great kind of sh- uh, Proving ground, if you will. They they already beat them for the tag team titles at Clash of Champions 1. Don't get me wrong, TW. But again, maybe Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard are pig-headed. They're stubborn. They're like, nah, Rip Flair. Nah, Flair. I don't see it. I don't see what you see. So it took a little bit. Or what, what say you? Maybe you have a different take. Or it's just JJ, you know, the wheels were in motion psychologically. The only, the only problem with that is that would have been fine too. But then they ruin it when Arn and Tully celebrate when he does it. And look surprised mm-hmm. and go, oh, okay. all right. And then, all right, we're tag champs. Like, if if they didn't think he was good enough, I, I would think, I would be like, fuck him. We don't need him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, no, I don't want to win this way. I want to I want to beat him fair and square. And then you mm-hmm. cause a rift with the Brain Busters and, and, uh, and Flair yeah. and AJ. But, uh, no, I think they were in on it the whole time uh, because, like I said, Arn and Tully 
whenever they had the chance to pop him in the corner, pulled up short. They mm-hmm. wrestled him in the ring. Cause, but, again, this thing here, if that's what he did, but I think it was his fucking Tourette's fucking version of the Four Horsemen logo, does it even worse in the back when they steal Dusty's mask. But uh, it's to, to, be, to be fair, I think it, it did. He curled it, but it was like this. It was, it was just an unsure horseman flair. Uh, mm-hmm. Watch Tully do it. Tully does it with passion. Of course uh, you're going to say that. You you love so, Tully so much. <laughs> he's, the, he's, the, he's, the un, he's the untapped potential of that damn group. Of course. So, um, before anything, TW, try to hold that thought. But let's, let's talk about the match itself. What did you see in that match? Forget about the, the stuff you're talking about with Barry. I'm just saying, like, this match went off... For, on TV, technically, I think it went on for like 30 minutes. You can say there was commercial interruptions. Yeah, it was, about, was on YouTube. It was about 24 minutes. Right, without commercials. So that but, was shit in the back. Right, but on TBS, this was on TBS. You know, the two hours, 6:05 to 8:05 thing. So this one lasted with commercials. I would say per se, 30 to 35 minutes to TW. So we were, ex- you know, you and I would be excited on cable seeing this this main event match. The brain busts against Barry Windham and Lex Luger. And again, this is a technically a rematch from Clash of Champions 1. They're trying to get their belts back. You know, the, the funny thing is, like you said, how maybe uh, untapped potential Tully Blanchard is. But again, the brain busters are never... I, I think maybe I'm I'm trying to, to spin this, but I don't think I am. I don't think the brain busters, whether it was NWA or even WWF, were appreciated as a top five tag team. What do you see from Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson that, you know, solidifies top five tag team of all time? Because their chemistry is par excellence. I think it, they, I, I say that Arn Anderson's best tag team partner is Tully Blanchard, not only Anderson, not Bobby Eaton. I still love the Larry Sabisco. Larry Sabisco, the, the, the Crunchers. I forgot what they're I, I didn't like Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. Honestly, I didn't. I didn't like it. It just didn't mesh with me. Felt like Flair got demoted. It didn't feel like Arn got promoted. Um, yeah, they're they're just the consummate. They're, they're listen. I, I've said this on the show before. When I found out a year in the business that me and Rico were going to be a tag team, the first thing I did was ask this guy that it was his idea to put us together as Los Rudos. He asked me if you need anything, I can make tapes. He made me a tape of nothing but brain busters and rockers. And because I knew we were little and we had to do the rocker shit, but I also mm-hmm. wanted the brain buster shit. They're just consummate. And ugh, I, another compliment's coming out of me that I, I cannot believe is going to come out of me. Uh, For the Young well, Bucks again? Oh my God. No, worse. Worse. Moxley? Worse. Adam Page? These two Jay Browns, as as hard as they try to be Arn and Tully, they'll never be them. But they are the modern day wrestling's version of them when it comes to that style of wrestling. And wait, that's an that's an insult to the professor. They're the best tag team in the last five years. Hate them so, but I I I don't hate them for their in ring. I hate them for their Twitter and for their. I hate the bald one, but. The other one just seems to just get fatter and fatter. And ever since he redeemed himself by beating the shit out of that guy that attacked Bret Hart at the Hall of Fame thing, I mm-hmm. it just, I just, 
don't sing it, bring it, man. Just wrestle. They they they're they're the best when they wrestle. They're not mm-hmm. the best when they talk. when they talk. I think they talk people out of liking them. Like you know how you just said they're the best in five years. Oh, by the way, I can't go. I can't talk all this AEW level without saying this. Uh, the New Day versus Pretty Deadly is next level tag team wrestling. I. I was absolutely blown away by that match. I was just going through it in the beginning, but the middle, the end, everything about it, uh, my hat's off to Xavier Woods. I still, I will say it until he either gets his due or retires without ever having it. That dude is the most untapped potential in all of wrestling. He should have held every single title the Fed has to offer at this point, uh, whatever reason. He did something when they won those NXT Tag Team titles that maybe went unnoticed by many, but it was probably a nod to Shawn Michaels because it seems like everyone in NXT has some way, shape, or form has to tip their hat to Shawn, including Braun Breaker and his girlfriend wearing their gear that looked like Shawn Michaels' gear. What did he do, go into the crowd? and He hugged that belt on his knees like it meant something when Shawn won the world title. And Mm -hmm. when, when Xavier Woods did that, Ooh, look, I just got emotional. He basically, the whole whole reason they put those guys on NXT is to elevate it. So when he holds that title and has, obviously, kayfabe tears in his eyes, he makes everyone think it meant the world to him to win that title. So now it's going to mean the world to everyone else when their guy wins the title, you know what I mean, as a fan? And mm-hmm. I thought, that guy gets it. That guy held that belt. And and you know the spot if you watch the match that was just, it was a nod to Eddie Guerrero, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the lying and cheating and stealing part, and yeah. And Place just loved it, and it just, I'm not a big New Day, New Day guy. I love Xavier Woods, and I like Kofi Kingston. I just, I'm not a big Big E guy. And the three of them together, I, I think there's magic when those three are together. They're the obviously the modern-day Freebirds or whatever, but I don't get the goosebumps. If Xavier Woods ever had the Daniel Bryan, the Kofi Kingston moment at a WrestleMania, I'd be right there with the goosebumps. Maybe, maybe Xavier Woods is your Tully Blanchard. Well, Tully's my Tully. What are you talking yeah. about? No, but what he hasn't accomplished in the singles right. realm, right. he's your Tully. I just I'm feel just, like I'm just I mean, going when they get the king of the ring, I'm like, all right, here we go. They're they're strapping the rockets to him, and yeah. then they just dissolved it. They, yeah. they called him a former king of the ring the other day. I'm like, it ain't even been a year, has it? Uh, it's been a year, not almost a year. It's gonna be some because when the king of the ring comes back. But anyway, let's not let's not delve away. But, but anyways, yeah. So I, I don't know how I got off on that tangent, but oh, Tony and Arn, you asked me about him. They, they're just the consummates. They know how to pull the rep. They know how to give J.J. his opening. They know how to, to bait the, the, the babyface partners to, to stop the tag. They also knew how to stop tags. There's one where Arn is literally holding the foot of Lex as Lex is almost there, and the crowd is just all in like he's going to do it, and then Tully runs in and drops the elbow. They're just consummate tag team wrestlers, and, and maybe that's why the two of them never got to do more. You know, the, they both, the consummate heel tag team because again, yes. it, it just Many works. Notes. They the psychological heel tag team reflection. I'm going with yeah. with that. And Flair says that in the promo about Barry. He's like Barry's already an A plus player. He's already an elite athlete, and now he's going to be one of the dirtiest players in the game. And you and you gotta love that. That's that's like that's the reason to do it. And they did they did it so like they do it so well, Professor, that you almost got to go. Yeah. Yeah, he probably should have done it sooner. 
because right. he was getting overlooked. He everything was about Dusty. Everything was about the Midnight Rider when Dusty was gone. Everything's about Lex now. Everything's about Nikita. Which he, by the way, he was, he Nikita was with there is no good. Just I just gotta say, <laughs> Nikita, yeah, I, I agree with that. But Nikita was tired of shaving his head, so you know you gotta feel for him sometimes. But anyway, let, let me just go with this for the Reflectionites. I'm going to go a little bit back, and then we're going to talk about the match in itself, T.W., because, again, the you didn't see it coming because look at the variables like you're talking about. They were still touring the, the southern regions, right? It was Wyndham and Luger chasing Arn and Tully when they were the tag team champions. And then Clash of Champions 1's hits, March 27, 1988, from the Greensboro Coliseum, if I'm if I'm correct, but don't get don't quote me on the logistics, CW. But it was technically their last chance. <clears throat> but again, with the interview you heard from JJ uh, Dillon, right, TW? He kept saying there was three things that were very prevalent, and you already talked about it. You talked about the the shadow being cast over because of Dusty Rhodes. Number two. The overlooking of Barry Windham because Lex Luger was the face for TV, was the face for marketing, was the face for movies. And number three, that Lex Luger would not be there for him when he needed him the most. And again, before this match, I'm thinking about all the other stuff to get to this point, T.W. And when we get to this match... It's almost the same thing. That's why I keep saying it's so, this is one of the greatest heel turns. Psychologically, you didn't see it coming because it's the same. I'm not going to say it's the same match for the last couple of months, but Luger had these issues in the ring against Arn and Tully touring the the highways and byways of the southern regions. There's nothing different, TW. It just, it dawns on the professor, like, you have to like like peel back in your mind that JJ was talking to Barry Windham privately on the telephone in the hotel rooms. So let's say TW because once that interview hit, like you said, you watched it twice. But you also, as a fan, you have to think about it. Where was JJ and Barry Windham talking? Was it in the locker rooms? Was it in the ho- in the hotel lobby? What say TW about using your imagination of how JJ and Barry Windham got together and had these meetings that even Luger didn't even know that he, they had. It was on one of them big Zach Morris phones, because right around 8 <laughs> Zach so Lex, Morris is trash. You should have saw Barry in the back with the antenna going up off the back window, but mm-hmm. no, it was it was very well done, and, and, and that's what I mean by they should have stuck with that way where like the, he should have never threw up the four. He should have threw up the four in the locker room when he said, fuck it, I'm in, right? Mm-hmm. But before that, looking at them and smiling in the ring and doing that, just it, it, it undoes all the secrecy between J.J. and him because mm-hmm. it makes it feel like everyone was in on it. And I, that's why I think Flair saved it with his interviews. J.J. saved it with his interview um, by basically you know, saying did, it was a hard did, enough to crack. Right. Did Barry did Barry save it with his explanation, or you just, you find some fault in it, no, or you so find some enough, the one time the one interview that you sent me of Barry, it was very, and they 
rushed and everyone came in there, and he just mm -hmm. sounded braggadocious. Like, oh, shit, I'm going to hang out with the best people. I got Ric Flair. And all I'm thinking as a fan, as and today I'm thinking the same thing, um, they just told you they're the world tag team champions, and he's the world heavyweight champion. You get to be the U.S. champion. Like, it's, it's the typical horseman. Let's hire Sid. Let's hire Lex. Let's hire Barry so we don't have to fight them. That's mm -hmm. that's what it is. So he, in one breath, Flair's telling him, you never got stardom, you never got accolades, you never got paid. Now you're going to get all that, but you got to be the U.S. champ. You know what I mean? So he's still being held back right away. But it's going to be a lot more fun. And Luger, and I never finished well, it. You, you, know you know what's funny? And then I'll get you, you could go back to your, your thought. But it's funny enough you say that, but... The U.S. title, he never had that even before joining the Horsemen. Right, it was right. the Western States. They just said that. Yeah. So he made it out like it was. And, and and they could have done a better job, but it's implied that now the U.S. title, who knows, future going forward, mm -hmm. what belt. He ended up being world right. champion, right? Yeah, in 93. The he NWA heavyweight. No, uh, he beat Muda to become the NWA heavyweight champion. That's the fucking belt that doesn't count. Okay, yeah. The, the, yeah, he wasn't world champion then. Okay. They will stick, his peak was Western States Heritage champion. But anyways, uh, one thing, you, you asked me what this match gave me. The other thing it gave me was Luger's still only about two years in the business. He starts in like 86. And Luger... 85. 80, 85, but I mean... WCW and NWA is 86. Like, it's fast okay. track. Um, so no, I, I get it. I'm just saying, like, logistically, 85 and then 86, right. he was in championship wrestling from Florida. 87, right. he's in Crockett and, right. you know. So, so uh, that's what I mean. Like, he's he's only big time for, like, a year or so with very minimal gotcha. Florida stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. But his, he, he bumps awesome, right? Every one of his bumps is a nice bump. Um, he, he sells. One problem with selling, and this was beaten into me when I was being trained by Scott Demore and Mickey Doyle, you never dead sell. He dead sold. However, he he used that in the promo by saying he lost consciousness for a while. And this, and I didn't know that was Barry. His promo, while not Rick Martel, AWA bad, I think he missed a lot of bullet points without, you know, like, like saying he was basically trying to say to Barry, Hey man, you made a mistake. Instead of saying I hate you, and then turns it into I hate you. <laughs> can, can can I defend it a little bit? Because sure. when sure. I look at that interview, TW, this is the way I look at it. But then, I, I guess I'm looking at it as the fan, but you're critiquing it as the wrestler that you are. You 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 see some holes in it, which is fine. I'm just saying. But when he says, and I'll, I'll just give him the path of this, he was selling it to me very psychologically very emotionally like he's in a state of shock that he can't even process what barry did it almost was like a nightmare that he just you know he just woke up from that he can't believe his quote-unquote best friend did that to him so that's the way i'm looking there's at only it. one problem with that what's that he said jim this happened two weeks ago that's that's <laughs> the problem with it well you know funny. it's like it's it like a relationship well, you know, no, but, you know, in real life, in relationships, you know, when, when your heart's broken by that slut, right, you know, it could be two or three weeks and you can never, you know, get that out of you. You know, you can't, like, just brush it off and go on to the next boom dang. You still are going to be heartbroken. So that's the same way to me, the way with Luger. You said, you're right, two weeks, but then it's still hard to process because think about it this way. Of course, they try to make it like sports 
oriented. Everybody with you know with the camera in Luger's face, the mic in his mouth at his mouth. Oh, Luger, what what are you feeling? You know, he doesn't want to talk about what he's feeling. Of course, he's going to be rage. He's going to be angry. But of course, he's hurt, so he can't process it. That's what I'm trying to say again. But of course, TW, correct me. No, I get, I, I, I understand all that part. But at the end of the day, like I said, he, he his, his in-ring stuff impressed me. His promo still needed some work, but and he was somber and sad. So it goes with what you're saying too. But, but I was, I'm giving you what I'm most impressed by. How, mm-hmm. how, just ring generals, Arn and Tully were heel, consummate tag team, and how well Luger, because Luger in the end. God bless him. I've always said this. He started out better and got worse. Whereas most guys start out the shits and get better, right? And he just regret- well, it's not his, but it's not his fault because again they wanted another Hulk. They wanted the NWA's right. version of Hulk Hogan, so they had to fast track him to that situation. No, he I needed that, maybe another like, year to be with the Horsemen and learn from them and learn I the psychology. I mean that I mean like fucking Buff Bagwell and Lex Luger stuff. The- <laughs> He just phoned it in in the end, right? Um, the the thing that Travis loves, uh, when he wrestled over in Australia and he did that promo where he came out of the locker room and he couldn't get his shirt off. You ever see that mm-hmm. promo? Yeah, I saw that. The shirt going, him going Broadway with a T-shirt because he mm-hmm. couldn't have to draw with it. But, but like, my, my, my example of Lex, what I mean is, he when he was babyface, when him and Sting were the guys, he hit, he hit an awesome clothesline. He did an awesome press slam. He did an awesome... He had great matches with Ric Flair, right? Like everyone does. Um, mm-hmm. And he had, at the time, the second best power slam in pro wrestling next to Animal. Animal's always had the best. Now it's Randy Orton, and it's not even close. But Animal had the best. When I mean power slam, I mean when you whip the guy to the rope and catch him and do. I like Rick mm-hmm. Steiner's version of it, but I don't think it's the same thing. I think that's a okay. catch power slam. Luger had it. In the end, Luger would pick you up on the north-south ropes and land on the east-west ones. And I'm like, how does that happen? It's because he just got lazy. I don't know if he did it on purpose or maybe the guys were big and he just whatever, but it got to the point where that's how he did it always, and it was just ugly. Like, if I was his friend, I'd be like, hey, man, you need to get back to doing the 360 because that's what they called it was a 360 power slam. Okay. Either get back to the 360 because you're making a 90 out of it and it looks horrible or mm-hmm. stop doing it. One of the two. Right. Speaking of slams, T.W., I want to at least give props where props is due because Barry Windham, when he betrayed Lex Luger, when he was on the corner, that slam from outside to the ring was the toughest slam that he did. And it was the opposite way. It wasn't. You know, unless he's left-handed, you know, he, like you talk, you know, like you talk about with Hogan and Andre, like he might have yeah. like torn a dude, labrum or whatever. Dead bag of potatoes, man. I was looking, going, what do you call it? The Mandela effect. Mm-hmm. My whole life, that was a suplex, and to watch it, and I was like, he fucking body slammed him in the ring, and it was opposite. Like, you know who did backward suplexes? Who? Hogan. Hogan would put you over his left shoulder. And lifts you up. Everyone else does the right, other mm-hmm. than Mexico. Mexico, everything's on the left. So whenever you know anybody I ever wrestled, superplexes, suplexes, anything, it was always to the right. To the, to the right. right. Hogan did it to the left. Barry Windham picked him up from the left, and I just thought that's just dead weight, 
Like, how's he even picking him up? Because what I'm waiting for Lex to climb the rope to like help get over the top of it. Just mm-hmm. dead from the from that over the top rope. And do I you think he? Do you think he slept, Do you think he's had any muscle spasm or maybe strains from doing? Well, that? that's that's where he's in luck. Because if you've ever looked at Barry Windham, he doesn't have any muscles, so he's good. He's good. <laughs> I guess being lanky and skinny has its advantages, Reflection Night. So no Kendall. Right. So when you look at this match overall, again, is it a five-star classic? That's for the Reflection Night. It's very subjective. I think, again, it's one of the most memorable matches because of the, you know, the afterthoughts. And one of the things, I don't know if it was on this one because I just remember it vividly because after he betrays Luger, Reflection Night, after, you know, the smoke clears, who's in the ring? Because Luger is on the floor, you know, is in the ring, counting the lights. He's out of it. He doesn't know what's going on. You see Dr. Destiny <laughs> Williams. You see Sting. You see Nikita Koloff with his uh, with his favorite, with the TW haircut. And, of course, we see an appearance from the Midnight Rider reflection night. And the Midnight Rider was pissed. I don't know who the Midnight Rider was, TW, back then. I'm just being honest with you. I don't know. I mean, it sounded like Dusty Rose, but again, you got to give me proof. It's the it's not the Mandela effect reflection ice unless you have concrete video evidence, like it's Twitter or something like that. TW, I don't know. That's I thought that was Magnum TA. That's just me. Not just playing. But anyway, TW, you remember Midnight Rider being so pissed that he didn't care. He went into the, the the heels locker room where the horsemen were hanging out, the Midnight Express were hanging out, uh, the Taskmaster was hanging out, and, and the Varsity Club. Dusty Rhodes went one on 20 and got the shit kicked out of him. And, of course, J.J. said this infamous stuff. I don't know if it was on this feed, but this is just what I remember vividly. Get the mask. Get the mask. Get the mask. Yep. And then they had the, where's the cameraman? Get his face. Get his face. Get his face. So, again, you went from wrong, you went from one program, right, TW, and then you vividly have two future programs without even like, as a fan, you're like, oh my god, you got Luger against Barry Windham because Luger wants his revenge, but then you got the Midnight Rider or Dusty Rhodes, whatever you want to call it, against Barry Windham. So NWA and and Dusty Rhodes and his. Imagination, his vivid imagination created two intriguing storylines for Luger. What say you about all that? It's it's you're you're booking for the next year. You're like, unfortunately for them, it's not WrestleMania season, but this would be yeah. WrestleMania season. You got and then you got Sting coming out, so you're already setting up Sting and Luger to take out Tully and Iron to get his belt back because mm-hmm. uh, he's got a new partner, someone he can trust. Uh, Sting looks like a million bucks in these videos, by the way. The fucking mm-hmm. cool surfer Sting, where he actually looks like he owns a gym, and he's got the bright red colors and black and white and red and pink and green and purple, just just good stuff. And then Nikita comes in looking like someone's drunk uncle. But uh, but the the footage of Dusty going in there, it's it's so cool because it's a heel locker room, which. I know from 1994, there ain't no heel locker room. They just made all the baby faces get out because you're. Mm-hmm. It's just, but the Midnight's put the boots to him. You see Mike Rotundo with his Varsity Club jacket put the boots. The Barbarians kicking him. Everyone's in there, 
and it's a full-on mauling, and then Sting comes in and does the uh, same thing Barry did for Lex, you know, like kneeled in front of him to, to take whatever abuse was coming. Um, it looked real. And because mm-hmm. Bobby Bobby Heenan, because J.J. Dillon was yelling, get the face, get the face, it looked so real. Almost at the same time, over on Saturday night's main event, when Hogan carried Elizabeth to the back and Macho Man came in there and attacked him, that shit, when I was watching that live as a kid, I'm like, what the fuck? Is he, is he beating him up in the hospital? I didn't realize they were in the same building. You know, I'm like, this is, wow, this is getting out of hand. Like, it just, that kind of stuff's fun when it looks real. Like, it, you're just mm-hmm. like, wow, like, this is taking a turn. Like, they lynched his ass, basically, when he came in right. there. And then, but you know what? You know what I couldn't help but think about while Dusty was kneeling with his with his gold boot with the red heart on it and his little gold gloves and his gold trim around his mask. And I thought, somebody's got a problem with fucking Stardust, and they're okay with this. It's Ooh. it's it's very Stardust Gold Dusty. This Midnight Rider shit. Like, well, with the mask. I never remembered it having all that glitter and shit. I just remembered him wearing a black suit coat, a black spandex shirt and jeans with a black mm-hmm. mask. I had no idea he had glitter gloves. And the other thing I thought about when he was running back there was the Shockmaster. Like, oh, this good. is Shockmaster territory right here when he's running to the back because he just... You thought he was going to trip when he opened the door? <laughs> no, he just looked ridiculous in that gear. Like, the oh. boot... The boot looked like something Shawn Michaels would wear, but like eight sizes too big for him. Like mm-hmm. it, just, it was just to me. I, I I know I'm one of the few. I fucking love Stardust. I and and you couldn't have told me that he hated doing it because he looked like he, the guy having the most fun every time I saw Cody come out and do the cartwheel and do that shit. I had no idea he hated it. None. And he that's just, a testament to him because right. he took lemons and made lemonade is what he did. Like you said, just do what you're told and try to make the best out of a bad situation. So let's put a bow on this. And you kind of harped on it a little bit, but let, let's look at the, I would say, the weaknesses of Barry Windham and Lex Luger because you saw it. And it was the promos because when you got Flair talking, when you got JJ talking, let me just say this, and you got Tully and Arn talking, these are the best talkers in NWA. So you're 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 tuned in, you're focusing on what they're saying, and of course they're celebrating what they're you know, getting their belts back, whatever, yada yada yada. They're the typical heels over strong. But when Barry is there, you can see nerves to me. You can yeah. see that he's trying to keep up with the Joneses, as the saying goes. And you know, it took a couple of months, but even a couple of months where he's more comfortable didn't necessarily mean he was a great talker, even as a Horseman member. So that's just my humble opinion. What say you about the promos? And again, like I said, the weaknesses of Barry and Lex Luger. I think Luger got, gets better with his talking to, to a degree. But again, there's still some levels to it, especially against the Horseman, when you're trying to compare yourself with the Horseman. Are you saying Barry never got comfortable as a Horseman talking or ever? I think it, you could say it's a combination of both. Because I think say? Barry, especially that first one versus when he was U.S. champion and he had the bandana, when he went out there alone and he wasn't okay. with all of them, mm-hmm. he did some pretty Jake the Snake-like promos, like dark. 
And then again, I'm just that's the way I look at it. I'm just saying right. it's I'm the trying to be stuff was good when he was doing the promos for the Widowmaker. It just didn't last long, mm-hmm. um, which is basically his horseman version by himself. Uh, okay. He was the Widowmaker. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think he got way better, way better. And, and I would say better than Lex, because I don't ever think Lex was good. Lex was good in the ring doing the emotional ones where he was like reacting to something that happened live. And when he was pissed. Standing there, yeah, standing there just doing a promo to promote a match. I don't think, other other than my favorite ever, when he hit Ron Simmons with a, I got a place for you in my organization. I could use the driver. No, that, his that, his best go- promo is, again, Ricky Steamboat, there goes your top, there goes your number one contender. That's still one of his best. Uh, I don't remember that promo. one. 1989, when he was pissed off that he wasn't the number one contender. It was against Ricky Steamboat. No shit. That was a heel turn. Number it, 507. It, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it was a heel turn. So, you know, maybe again, this experiment worked out. You know, I, I didn't know if we could stretch this out, but we got the minutes I needed. So with that being said, Reflection Nights, we close on this pro wrestling spotlight, greatest heel turn. So, you know, TW, you're going to have to give me suggestions on what is one of the greatest heel turns in your... Damn it. It's Paul Orndorff. Well, I'm, we're, we're not doing it next week. We're going to save what it. Paul Orndorff was called when he turned on Hulk Hogan? Uh, I forgot the, I forgot it. Go ahead. Remind me. The people's champion. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. They called Paul Orndorff the people's champion. They basically made it out like he was going to be the next Hulk Hogan. He was Hulk, he, The fucking guy looked like He-Man, dude. Like, legit. Look like I'm surprised they didn't dress him up as He-Man. That's how much he looked like He-Man. And this dude's the People's Champion. And when he turned, his whole per- point was, I want to be the People's Champion. I want to be the champion, right? Like I'm sick of being in this. Your show. This must be a Mandela effect because I don't remember him ever he being was referred the to as the People's Champion way before The Rock called himself the People's Champion. That term has been used forever in wrestling. Paul Orndorff. I didn't even know he was a bad guy because remember, I started you, watching. You sure? No, no. You sure it was Paul Orndorff or it was Ivan Putski? That's that, that's to me. I'm sure people. he called himself the Polish People's Champion. No Polish power, but anyway, neither here nor there. But again, you gave me a nice suggestion. A second one. I got a second one we could talk about one day because I never saw it coming. What? When Jake the Snake was helping the Ultimate Warrior get ready for the Undertaker to get the dark side and get ready, and then he turned on him. I'm like, okay. damn it. He left the warrior buried up to his neck. This is what I love about the reflection uh, to the Magnificent Seven. You know, when T.W. gets suggestions, we can make a show out of it. So I want to make him happy. I want to make you happy. And with that being said, T.W., give out those socials so we can get out of here. All righty then. The Hameen Media Group at Podbean.com. You can check us out there and check them out at ChannelAttitude.com. Obviously, they got other stuff on Hameen Podbean, too. But, uh... Ours is at the reflection or at PW Reflection at Twitter. Um, Big Ray is always is at Big Ray Hernandez. If you go to a social media platform, you're gonna find him there. Uh, he cracks me up lately. He hasn't been doing at least not showing me on TikTok uh, his little morning coffees or whatever. But he hits people with one liners. Like I was reading a Rick Vickery one of his things and 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 <laughs> what was he talking about? I don't even know, but. Uh, Ray said he watched five minutes of it and threw his phone off the train or something like that. It was some TV show. But uh, anyhow, Big Ray Hernandez, at Big Ray Hernandez at Twitter, at Instagram, at TikTok, 
Follow them on all of them. It's worth it. At me, it's at Tommy Wonder 19 is Twitter and Instagram. At the Tommy Wonder is my other Twitter and TikTok, Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. And then of course, Noel and Vito at bigvitobrand.wixsite.com and patreon.com backslash the big veto brand. And you can find me on my Twitter at PWSOPROF, that's PWSOPROF, and of course, if this gets uploaded by 8-Track Brown, this will be available on the PWSO Networks on the YouTubes. Follow my brothers in arms, Billy Ray Valentine at Obi-Wan, you know me, and of course, 8-Track Brown at the number 8, T-R-A-C Brown. So next week, TW, since we are in the Christmas theme and the Christmas spirit, I think we got to go back to the movies. And I say this one because I remember, I, I always do it for the people. I got to do this for our producer because he asked this. I have the receipts. It's a long time ago, but he asked me to do this. But I was like, wait, we got to wait for this. So now it's Christmas time. No, this is not Santa with muscles. We already did that last year, Reflection Eyes, and I told you I'm not doing a whole Gogan movie. We're going to the movies. I don't know why Ray wanted me to do this one, but we're going to have to do this. Try to find the TW, but it's Bill Goldberg in the 2005 <laughs> horror cult classic. Santa's Slay, where he plays a demented Santa Claus. So, T.W., try we to We went find... a year for this, because he wanted us to do it last year. Yeah. I, I ain't doing two Christmas movies in a row. So, right. now, tis the season, Ray. Next week, we go back to the movies, Santa Slay, oh God, with Bill Goldberg, our favorite Jewish wrestler, as the demented Santa Claus. So, that's what we're going to do next week. So with that being said, I'm the professor. That's Mr. Wonderful, the Irish Stomach One, Dum Dum Duel, idiot. So, and again, CW, you got a TikTok. You got to be Mr. Dum Dum Duel Solo. Got to eat some shit. But anyway, neither here nor there. Got to stop being sick. Oh, speaking well, of that, shit, I didn't make it home today. I was touching cloth. Oh God. Well, <laughs> that's why. I guess that's why you can't do Dum Dum Duel Idiots anymore. That because you got to protect yourself. But anyway, that's Mr. Dum Dum Duel Idiot, Mr. Freakenstein himself. Whee! Tommy Wonder saying good night, and we'll see you next time here at the PWR Podcast at the PWSO Networks at Podbeam.com. Peace. Give, wait, give us the give us the Barry Windham fingers. No, the the the, the, the rest. One. Yeah. <laughs> see you next time, Reflectionites.